Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. My name is Jenna, and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. Welcome, welcome. I am here today to answer some common questions that I have gotten from people over Instagram on my DMs specifically about how to know really, do you just have anxiety or do you have an anxiety disorder? Do I just have some depression symptoms or do I actually have a depressive disorder? And I think it's a really great question. I think First of all, anytime anybody asks me a question, it's amazing because if you ask me a question, I can guarantee that so many other people have the same question. So with that said, if you ever have a question, please feel free to reach out to me via DM on Instagram. I'm at jenna.overbaugh, or you can always shoot me an email at jennaoverbaugh at gmail.com. If you have the question, a bunch of other people will do too, and I'm going to try to be super responsive. It's usually a great content. It's usually great content for everybody to know. So what you're going to learn today through this episode is at what point does something potentially become more than just symptoms? And when does it become cause for concern? When does it become this separate threshold of it might actually be a disorder? And therefore, I probably need to get some professional help for it. So I'm going to talk primarily about OCD and anxiety. But of course, I feel like this could apply to a lot of different things. So this could probably apply to trauma and depression and a lot of different symptom clusters or disorders, if that's what we want to call it. So just know that moving into it, even though I probably will be using the terms OCD and anxiety a lot, just because that's my area of expertise, we can also intermingle in there depression or trauma or anything like that. So first things first, Everyone is kind of wanting to know, you know, I have these personality quirks. I feel like I'm just an anxious person. I feel like I've always been conscientious in college or in high school. And at what point does it does it go from me just being an anxious person or, you know, I get sad every once in a while. At what point does it turn from me being just a little bit of a sad person every once in a while to I have an actual disorder? I have an actual condition that requires professional help with a therapist. And so I just want to validate first and foremost, we all have little personality quirks. We all have things that annoy us. And so first thing that we're going to talk about is how some symptoms of various disorders are totally normal and actually functional for our everyday life. Two, at what point these quirks or characteristics can become indicative of something more serious. 
Three, what the diagnostic process is like if you're going to um, seek help specifically for OCD. And then some specific questions that you can ask yourself to determine whether you're just experiencing symptoms of something, which again, back to point number one, is totally normal and sometimes functional, or whether you might actually have a condition that you might need to get some professional support from. So really the question is, what's the difference between feeling anxious and having an anxiety disorder? What's the difference between feeling traumatized and having PTSD? What's the difference between having depressive symptoms and depression? And and they might be consistent with depression, but that doesn't mean that you have depression. So I guess the point that I'm trying to make here is you can exhibit symptoms of these disorders and not actually meet the criteria for it. It could still not you know, be an issue for you, which I'll get into later. So when it comes to any symptom cluster, whether it's anxiety or depression or something else, in manageable amounts, these things and these symptoms from time to time are completely normal and in fact, really functional. So for instance, think about if there's a death in the family, it's really normal and functional to feel sad and lethargic and maybe even want to isolate. When you have a new baby, for example, it's really common to be overly concerned about the baby's safety and to want to check in on them a few times more than normal. Um, Moms especially are experiencing what we call a rapid increase in responsibility at that time when they become new mothers. So it's totally normal and, again, functional as far as keeping the baby alive and functioning. So there is, of course, always a tipping point, and I'll get into that too. So there's always a point where things can definitely get out of hand, but for the most part in small doses, these symptoms are really functional and they serve a purpose and they're normal. So these things become problematic when we no longer drive the ship and when they become overwhelming. So when we're no longer dictating what we want to do, it's our symptoms that are dictating what we want to do. That's problematic. So for instance, if I really wanted to do some activity with my friends, but I wake up and I'm feeling really depressed and my depression wins in that situation and it wins consistently versus what I wanted to do, which was go out with my friends. That's not me driving the ship. That's the depression driving the ship. And also just when they become overwhelming. So feeling sad every once in a while is different from feeling this overwhelming sadness that you feel like you can't cope with. Um, again, with an anxiety or OCD example. So it's one thing to want to maybe tidy up or do a little laundry before you go to work in the morning. But let's say that you're running late for other reasons. Are you able to leave those items at home and break from your routine? Or are you going to be late to work and be late to work consistently? Because there's no way that you can leave these tasks unfinished before you go to work. And again, just when it becomes overwhelming. So let's say that you As far as anxiety goes, yeah, we all have a little bit of anxiety when it comes to things like presentations, but when it becomes overwhelming, like it consumes us and we're starting to experience racing thoughts and physical sensations and potentially like health issues that coincide with those things, that's when it starts to become overwhelming and that's when we know that these things are getting out of hand. So it's really when these symptoms become pervasive, so they're consistent over time, they're not just one or two little flukes here or there, and they're just unmanageable. So again, we're not driving the ship. You really want to ask yourself, 
is this having a big impact on your life? So if it's just a sprinkling of little symptoms here and there, then that's not necessarily having a big impact on your life. But if something is interfering with your sleep or other activities of daily functioning, so the big ones here are going to be like showering, brushing your teeth, eating, cleaning, maintaining your home, paying your bills. If, if these symptoms are having a big impact on your life, then that's indicative that maybe something more serious is going on. Also, if you're starting to experience uncomfortable sensations or physical health problems or feel it, this feeling of just feeling trapped inside of your symptoms, that's a sign that we may be on that tipping point or beyond that tipping point to where it's not just necessarily these personality quirks anymore, that there might be something more serious going on. When something is a little bit more outside of our control too, as far as these symptoms go, they're going to come up unexpectedly and seemingly for no reason. So what comes to mind as an example is going to be panic attacks. So panic attacks can be prompted by things in your external environment, but they also can just come up unexpectedly for no reason. So without any external cue whatsoever, without any trigger or reason for having the panic, these symptoms can just kind of sprout out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, somebody can have a racing heart, somebody can experience um, shortness of breath and a ton of other really uncomfortable physical sensations. And of course, if it's happening out of nowhere, it's going to feel really overwhelming. And of course, that person is no longer driving the ship. So back to the beginning about are you in control of these situations? It's going to feel impossible to control or manage, like I've mentioned before. And it may, these symptoms when they're problematic may last for a disproportionately long time, even after the situation has resolved itself. So again, back to the social anxiety example, we all after, let's say a job interview, let's say somebody with anxiety, social anxiety um, did a job interview and they did not get the job or they got the job. Let's say that the job, the outcome of the job interview is irrelevant. It's it's over, right? So they got the information one way or the other. Somebody who has so who might be struggling with social anxiety versus just socially anxious tendencies is somebody who even after the conclusion of that event is still perseverating on that interview and still mentally reviewing what they said or whether they should have said things differently or could they have said things differently. So again, even after the situation has resolved itself, they're still really, really anxious about the process and whether they did something right or what how they were perceived or how they presented themselves. So another example here is that we can all probably relate to is a lot of us have fears of planes, right? So the majority of us though can fight through that fear if we have to for certain occasions. So if it's a really important family event or if we have to travel for work or if it's an enjoyable vacation that we're going on, we can push beyond that fear, even though maybe what we wouldn't want to do, we wouldn't prefer to be flying, you know, like we would prefer to just magically end up there because it's safer that way. But the majority of us can fight through that. Somebody with an anxiety disorder, on the other hand, may sooner jeopardize a job, for instance, before they even step foot in an airport. So they may have their dream job. They may have everything that they've ever wanted just given to them on a golden platter. And because they're so unwavering in their ability or willingness to challenge that fear, they will give all of that up because giving in, you know, giving in and potentially being harmed by their fears are are so 
difficult for them that they cannot even imagine putting themselves in that situation. I'm hitting the pause button quick to share with you guys a product that my family absolutely loves. Magic Spoon is a protein-packed, delicious adult version of some of our favorite childhood cereals. It's a healthy cereal that seriously tastes too good to be true. Each serving has about 11 grams of protein per serving, compared to those other cereals that only have one or two grams of protein per serving. Each serving also only contains three net carbs, compared to an average of 24 net carbs per serving with other cereals. Magic Spoon cereals are also grain-free, gluten-free, and free of artificial sweeteners and other funky ingredients. They have flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry, honey nut, and my favorite, peanut butter. Give it a try at magicspoon.com and enter Jenna Overbaugh, one word, for free shipping on me. Happiness 100% guaranteed. So... Those are some ways that you can kind of ask yourself like, okay, am I at that tipping point? Do I feel like these are more just symptoms that I'm experiencing that may be more functional and normal that I can manage and take care of? Or am I maybe going down the other side of the path here? So if you feel like you're at that point and you kind of feel like you are on that other side where you're thinking, oh my gosh, like maybe I do, maybe this is a little bit more unmanageable than I thought. I do feel trapped. I probably do maybe want to see if this is an actual condition that I need professional help for. I'm going to go over what a clinician or a therapist would use to diagnose that information. So again, this is in no way something that you can do by yourself. You need to be going to a professional to assess this information. So there's no test that you can take to determine whether you have OCD or anxiety or any other actual diagnostic disorder. So just putting that out there. This is just kind of what's in our DSM-5, which is what clinicians use to diagnose. It's called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So for OCD, for instance, because it would be impossible to go through all of them, for OCD, they're going to look to see if you have obsessions. So obsessions, again, are defined as recurrent and persistent thoughts, urges, or images that are experienced at some point during the disturbance as being intrusive, unwanted, and that in most individuals cause significant anxiety or distress. And they're also going to see if you have compulsive behaviors or compulsions. So these are attempts at ignoring or suppressing the thoughts, urges, or images to neutralize them with some thought or action. So they're also going to want to identify whether your obsessions and compulsions take a lot of time and get in the way of important activities and values. So back to the things I was talking about earlier, right? Like are your symptoms driving the ship or are you driving the ship? So you want to look at various areas of your life, like your work situation, school, time with friends and your relationships with your friends, relationships with your family, anything that's important and of value to you that's kind of necessary as well, just to kind of be a functioning adult in your everyday life. How are your symptoms, if at all, affecting those areas? And if they are affecting those areas, that's problematic. So it's problematic too, just when these things are time consuming. So again, just thinking about whether it's a sprinkling of symptoms here and there, just taking a couple minutes every day or so, or is it something that's taking over an hour, sometimes can take up to like eight or nine or 10 hours or even more of that a day. So again, there's no test that you can take. You really do need to, if you're concerned, go and speak with a professional who can help you through this. But three more things, kind of the three big things that I would 
make your takeaways as far as trying to determine for yourself whether where you're at on this kind of spectrum. One, ask yourself whether these behaviors are things that you prefer or things that you need to do. So preference implies that you would just rather things be that way, but you don't need things to be that way. Like you can sleep at night if things aren't that way. So I always give the example of I prefer to wash my hands after I go to the bathroom, but I also run a lot of half marathons and sometimes there aren't readily available sinks, right? Like at porta potties or you know, it's just not available. So I prefer to wash my hands after I go to the bathroom. But if for some reason, for whatever reason, there's not an ability to do that that's readily available to me, it's not a big deal. I'm going to move on with my life and it's going to, I'm going to continue doing the run and I'm going to be present in that run. And I'm not going to not engage in that activity because of my fear of not being able to wash my hands or I'm going to cut out early of the half marathon. Peace out. I got to go wash my hands. And I'm not going to continue running for the next seven miles because I'm worried that my hands are contaminated, right? So I I prefer to wash my hands, but I'm flexible. I'm able to give that up because of things that are otherwise way more important to me. It's not that big of a deal. It's not a need. If I needed to wash my hands, my experience of that would be much different. I may be researching to determine like, okay, if I do have to wash my hands or if I do have to use the restroom during this half marathon, are you going to have sinks available? Are you going to, I may pack a lot of hand sanitizer. I may not even do the race at all. So it's just, it's, it's better when it's more of a preference and it's more indicative of a, of a more serious issue when you feel like you need to do it. There's this urgency that's about it. The second thing is, again, is it interfering in your daily life? So the example, again, of the tidying the house before work, tidying your house a little bit before work is fine. But if you're running late for other reasons or time comes and you have to go and X, Y and Z isn't completely finished to your liking, are you able to cut that task short and are you able to go to work on time or do you feel the sense of urgency like, oh, my gosh, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. Otherwise, something bad is going to happen. Otherwise, I'm going to be anxious for this amount of time and I'm not going to be able to handle that. The other big one here is if you're involving other people in your behaviors or your compulsions. So family accommodation, and it it doesn't have to be just a family member. It could be a a partner, a spouse, whatever, a friend. Um, Having someone else involved in your behaviors means that your anxiety or your difficulties with these symptoms are inconvenient enough for you that you have been or you're willing to engage other people in this situation with you, which is a big red flag. So this is kind of, it's family accommodation is one of the biggest maintaining and kind of exacerbating factors in OCD and anxiety. So it's long story short, what that means is it's just going to maintain your anxiety and it will actually make your symptoms worse. So big red flag, are you involving and engaging other people in your behaviors? It's a big sign that things probably are more indicative that there's something more serious going on. So again, just looking at your other difficulties that you might have with tasks. So what about social difficulties, engaging with family and friends? How are are those things going? Are you excessively fixated on things that you just feel like you can't move away from? Um, Sometimes what I hear, especially in the, in the work that I do with people, sometimes what I'll hear is that these symptoms help them in their job or these symptoms help them in school. Um, 
specifically when it comes to things like perfectionism or checking or whatever. And so that might be more related to obsessive compulsive personality disorder, which is OCPD. That's a different podcast for a different time. Um, So come back for that one for sure. But ask yourself, even if you do, if you're one of those people like, yeah, well, in some areas it doesn't affect me as much. It it doesn't affect me as much in school and it doesn't affect me as much in my job. It actually helps me in my job or at school. Ask yourself, okay, maybe if it does help you in your job, if you quote unquote think that it helps you in your job, what about with your coworkers? What about with your relationship with your boss? Or what about your happiness and your abilities outside of work as a result of having to do all these behaviors at work and work so rigidly and work so perfectly and check constantly all the things that you've done? So as far as that justification goes, there's usually some type of consequence there. Might not be with your work directly or the quality of your work. I would more so wonder too about like I said, the coworkers, the relationships with your boss, and just your happiness and energy levels outside of work. So all in all, at the end of the day, I would also just want everyone to ask themselves, are these things that you want to change? Are you distressed enough by these symptoms and by these behaviors that you would want a different way of living? And if the answer is yes, then I would definitely, like without any question, without having to go back and answer anything else, if at the end of the day you want things to change and you want a better way of living, then go definitely and find a therapist in your area who is able to give you the legitimate treatment and help you live a better life. So you could have this whole entire podcast episode been thinking, oh yeah, I just have some symptoms. I just have some symptoms. There's nothing else going on. But if we got to the end here and you're like, I actually do want things to change. I am distressed enough by these symptoms that I want a different way of living. Then the answer is yes. Then you should take the time if you can. And if you're able to do it, then take the time and find a therapist. So One website that I would absolutely recommend first and foremost, especially for OCD and anxiety would be the IOCDF. Um, That's the International OCD Foundation. So IOCDF.org. They have tons of more information there and how to find a therapist in your area. So if you, again, feel like you can have a better life and you want more control over these symptoms, then definitely, definitely find someone who can help you and guide you in the right direction. For more information and resources, you can head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other women and people in general who need these resources and they would otherwise not get them. With that said, thank you guys again so much for tuning in. I love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.